The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, I am Macca19 and this the is power. the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me once again is Porsche. Hi Macca, wow. Wait. What 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 a what a great weekend in football. It was, wasn't it? Two extraordinary finals in their own right. Yeah, yeah. And the Brownlow result, um the only way it could have been better is if Rory Sloan had won on votes and then been <laughs> not able to win, but otherwise it was pretty good. Oh, we just need uh, Sydney to win and Tippett to kick a goal after the siren to get the double, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, it really doesn't matter. As long as he kicks at least one or two, enough that you can say you contributed on the day, that'll be enough, I'd say. Yeah. Mm. No, that's right. Well, let's have a quick chat about the finals. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess the, the first one uh, first, Geelong in Sydney. Geelong finished minor premier and went pretty well knocked out by quarter time. Have you ever seen a more dominant first quarter in a prelim than that? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> that was, I don't was... think I have, to be honest. No, because it wasn't as though Geelong were... I mean, they were bad, but they weren't like, you know, Essendon this year bad. They were like regular bad, Geelong mm. bad. Um, which is still quite challenging for a lot of teams. So I think, I mean, it was amazing how much Sydney wanted that win, basically, and they really showed it. So yeah. um, it was good. It's great to see Hawthorne and Geelong out in successive weeks, and maybe they'll just all both stay out for a while. Oh, for sure, yeah. Mm. No, it was good to see Sydney win. Um, I certainly didn't expect that sort of result, though, especially not seven goals to nothing at quarter time or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, that was just something out of the box, and uh, Geelong were never, ever going to come back from that. No, no, absolutely. And particularly with Sydney being Sydney, I mean, they don't, you know, once they've got that sort of lead, like you're not getting it back. I, I think that would be... There's probably someone out there's done a stat on it for people getting leads back from Sydney, and the reality is, like, I would say of every team in the competition, they'd probably be the hardest to bring a game back from that sort of dominant position. So oh, for sure. it made it a bit of a non-event, I suppose, after the first quarter, but it was nice to to think for a while that it might have been an all-Sydney grand final. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, but the Dogs, they got the job done in a... Uh... What has to be described as just an absolute classic modern final, really. I mean, it, it swung with momentum. GWS looked home a couple of times. Uh, they got out by 14 points, I think, in that last quarter, but the dogs just came back as they do. And uh, look, they're in their first grand final since uh, 1961. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I made a comment during the, the week uh, or right after the finals were announced, and it was like Sydney's, for some reasons on a six-day break and the dogs get an eight-day break, and maybe that helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have already seen, like, that first week of finals, you'd have to say that extra that new buy, which some people don't like. I think it's great because it sort of really mixes up the whole finals schedule. Um, Too much, though? <laughs> nah, no, I don't think so. Do you, I mean, well, I don't know. Well, I, I guess you look at it, well, GWS played something like one game in 27 days. Like, is that... Like, uh, you're, you're almost putting the, the, the teams that win the qualifying final at um, at a disadvantage. Well, look, I mean, you could borrow... You could, I suppose, change a little bit. I don't know how the exact maths would work. But, I mean, you could make it like the first week or something is... I don't know, eliminations. It, it, look, it doesn't really matter because that first week we've already seen, you know, GWS, yeah, okay, they had one game in blah, 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 but... It's not to them to manage it. Obviously, the first year the new system's in place, it's it's a bit more difficult. But, mm. you know, they have a whole week off before the Super Bowl for both sides. And I think that makes it pretty good. It'd be nice to see that week 
used more. It would be great if they moved the brown low to that week instead of messing around this long. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I'm in, I'm in favour of it. I'm in favour of it, particularly with the draw and grand final being thrown out. I think that's what enabled it. And it, it's a good thing because you know that there's going to be that Port's going to be drawn to play away in round 23 in Brisbane or somewhere like that. And you know, it, it's, yeah. it's how it happens. And I think avoiding that kind of ridiculous thing where you could then expect it be expected to back up for a six day break after traveling and you know it's finals and actually matters to you that year that's just irritating as hell and it's something that Collingwood won't have to worry about so why not neutralize that advantage they have that's what's yeah. happening it's good for good for us as a, as a non-victorian team i think teams like clubs want continuity and i don't think you get that with uh, with the bye before the first final and i always remember back to the 1994 SANFL premiership and i reckon we were at a huge advantage that year um, coming up against the Eagles, even though we hadn't beaten them that year. Oh, sorry, we did in in, uh, in round 21 or something like that. But um, they had a bye, then they played the last round, then they had a bye, the second semi-final, they had another bye, and then they played the grand final. So they'd only played like three games in something like 40 days. Um, and I reckon that gave us a bit of an advantage in the end. But you never know. I mean, I'm just super excited to see what the Dogs can do. I mean, they've become the most inexperienced team to make a grand final since Melbourne in 2000. You would say, on face value, Sydney should go in um, pretty red-hot favourites. Yeah. But this Dogs team, there's, uh, there's just something um, that you can't help but like about them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I reckon I'll stop liking them during the grand final, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, over here in Melbourne, you know how we were always heard when the Sydney Swans were sort of the only semi-Victorian side in the finals, you know, oh, it's the Bloods, the Bloods culture. I haven't heard a single thing about South Melbourne and the Sydney Swans being the Bloods this this week. It's been all Bulldogs, 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 and yep. it's going to be, everything's going to be thrown the Bulldogs way to get them this win. They're going to get the umpiring, they're going to get the crowd, uh, they're going to get the commentators. Uh, every every single thing is going to irritate you if you're trying to barrack for the dogs this week because you're just going to be so annoyed with the oversaturation by halftime, guaranteed. Yeah, that's a fair point as well. Um, it is a little bit annoying, the the dog situation. I mean, it, it makes me annoyed at our own situation because there's really no excuse for us when you look at it. The dogs are a very young team, as I said, youngest team to make a grand final in 16 years, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries to key players this year and they've still managed to deliver when it matters and I don't think we really, when it um, boils down to it, we should have no excuse for where we are at. Um, I Look, are you saying we should have no excuse as an on-field thing or as an off-field thing? Because I think off-field, you're right. On-field, I think our list is not comparable to them. Um, I, I off- think on-field is what I'm mainly talking about. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I agree. Um, you look at the dogs and you think, oh, yeah, how do they get all these early picks and, and you know, some good players? And, like, they traded out Cooney and Griffin. You mm. know, when's the last time we would have done something like that, traded out two, two champions of the club to get draft picks? We don't do that. We're Port Adelaide. We don't do that. And now we're talking about trading out bloody Hamish Hartlett as if he's a, a club legend. You know, they, they have made hard decisions in the past and that's what we haven't done and that's why their list is better and younger than ours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've had a bit of fortune with father-sons along the way. Let's not forget that as well. You know, Wallace and Libertoria are both pretty decent. Mm. Um, yeah, I, we, I think that off-field, absolutely, there's more we could have done to be in a Bulldogs-type position. We haven't done it. But on-field, I mean, going into the lists that we had at the start of this year, yeah, they've probably overperformed and we've probably performed, in my view. Um, you know, with the right of suspension, I think we've probably performed. 
and they've done well. But let's see. I mean, I don't know that we're seeing going to see a Bulldogs empire come out of this. Um, I guess I guess we'll see how it goes. Well, they'd be the youngest uh, premiership winning team in God knows how long, like in a, in a seriously long time. So I don't know. I mean, obviously GWS are, are going into the next sort of decade almost written up as sort of like six or seven time premiers, but I'm still not sure that's actually going to turn out that way. But I would say the dogs have the next best list in terms of uh, future success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've had a few picks at the top and they've done well with them. So, And they've had a few good rookie list players come through, uh, as you sort of mentioned in the pre-podcast. So, yeah, mm. they're doing all right. There's a few um, interesting comments in the Spreaker chat. Um, Bevan has said we should do a whole show on the 1994 Grand Final. And I think we've actually done that from memory back a couple of years ago. We did a we did a season review on the 94 season. Uh, so if you check the archives, um, you should be able to find something about that. Uh, Dylan's on the Bloods. Uh, Bevan has said Luke Darcy alone has me going for Sydney. Got to agree there. Uh, Christopher said, uh, am I the only one who hopes that the Dogs lose by 20 goals, go bank- bankrupt again and merge? Um, Harsh call. Harsh look, call. I wouldn't mind if they got smashed. Look, <laughs> <laughs> if they can lose by 120 points, I would be the biggest Bulldog supporter going around, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I tend to have a view when it comes to the dynasties, which is that once it seems like this starts being one, you might as well just let them keep doing it because no one's going to care. You know, those people stop counting after a while. Mm. Um, you know, like if Hawthorne had won the premiership, this would be like, eh, who cares? But. Every time a team that isn't yours, that's new and upcoming, wins the premiership, you're always a little bit more bitter about those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Well, let's. Um, what's your prediction? Uh, Swans by 30. Okay. Norm Smith? Ah, uh, no idea. Mitchell, probably. Tom Mitchell. Okay. Tom Mitchell. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's probably a fair call. I like that. Yeah. I think um, yeah, he'd be in the in the box seat, I would think. Gets a lot of the bowl, he's in, in and around the packs. Yeah, and he's not probably the highest target on the list, so yep. that helps as well. I'm going to say the Dogs by four points, and I'm going to say Liam Picken as the uh, Norm Smith. Yeah, okay, interesting. Uh, I would be very surprised if Picken did get that, but who knows. I mean, really, it would probably be Bontempelli, but I don't know who's picking it this year. Who's picking the Norm Smith? Oh, who knows? Yeah. Well, the Bonts would be... Uh, Again, in the box seat, if, if the dogs win, you know, he's uh, he's likely to get it, I think. But Liam Pickens had a huge year. I think he was best on ground in the first final. Mm. Um, and he's one of those sort of players that can impact, especially up forward, uh, get a lot of the ball, kick a couple of goals. Um, might be one of those sort of Ryan O'Keefe sort of uh, victories, if that happens. Yeah, could be, could be. Um, I guess if the dogs win, I don't know. I don't know exactly when they all vote on who's going to win. But if the dogs win, they might even give it to like a son of just to give it that whole extra prestige, you know. Yeah, mm. for sure. Well, let's talk about the Brownlow. I guess uh, things went as expected last night with uh, Paddy Dangerfield <laughs> taking out his first Brownlow medal, breaking a number of records along the way. He polled thirty-five votes in fifteen matches, both new records there, whilst uh, being named best on ground nine times, which equals uh, Nat Fife's record. Uh, Robbie Gray was the best of Port's uh, pollers with 19 votes and finished, uh, I think, in the top seven or eight. Um, your thoughts? Anything uh, unusual about the evening? Uh, I guess when you just look at our votes, how unamazing they are. 
like not not just in volume because they're always unamazing in volume, but like there weren't really huge surprises. No. Um, we had a, a couple of odd three voters, I suppose, but well, one odd three voter, but you know that, that's really it. You know, it was kind of what you'd expect, I guess. Yeah. Very generic. Um, yeah, I, I, our brand account was pretty dull. Let's face it. <laughs> I certainly was, and look, uh, Danger was always going to win. There would have been yeah. a uh, national inquiry if he didn't win that. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, he was the most firm favourite probably in pre-medal uh, in the medals histories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone else apart from him was out of what more than ten to one, considerably more. So, yeah, um, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Um, we've had another well, a question on the uh, Spreaker chat. Um, Ryan Pillar wants our feelings on uh, Nathan Vardy from Geelong having a medical at Port Adelaide. I'm not interested. <laughs> yep. Um, look, I, if whatever we give up, if we get him, as long as it's basically nothing or a player that we don't actually want, then that's all I'd really want to give up for him. You know, any talk of giving up anything like a pick in the first three rounds? Nah, no, no thanks. We'd rather just draft. <clears throat> look, if we can get him for pick seventy-five or something, then it's probably worth doing. But uh, anything above that, I'm not too sure. You know, do we really need a what twenty-five-year-old that's been on list for seven years and played twenty games? No, like, we he's don't. He's got a lot of talent. Well, he did have a lot of talent. He looked like he was going to uh, be an exceptionally good player at one point, but uh, then he just ended up being perpetually injured. Has done a number of serious injuries, missed um, huge amounts of game time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems like if you can get him fit, fine. But with our record in the last few years of, of having players fit, um, you know, he's probably going to do a knee bloody getting off the plate. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't see it as the sort of pick that we should be bothering to take, to be quite honest. Um I personally, and again, this is where you and I differ again based on previous things we've said, Macker. I think we're at a stage where we should just be taking our licks for a year or two um, and uh, building a list. Uh, and I don't know that trying to rehabilitate guys who, even if they work out, will get three years out of them is exactly worthwhile. Um, yeah. so I, I, no, I don't I'm happy it. with that, Kyle. I would... Look, if, if he comes, fine. If he comes at a decent price, fine. But um, I'd be... Happy taking that pick to the draft, to be honest. I would rather have an 18-year-old, uh, one of the SA kids that you would draft to pick 105, um, <laughs> quite honestly, because at least there's a chance that we'll get, you know, we'll get a year development into him. We'll see what their potential is, um, mm. whereas we know what his potential is and he's probably not going to get it. So, you know, why, why waste our money and our, our coach's time on something like that when we could be having our coaches very, very much focused on the young guys. Yeah. Because um, that's, that's what we needed. just screams of Cameron Cloak. Like, he, he'd play one game yeah. and that'd be it, and then he'd be delisted and would just yeah. be a complete waste of time. But Honestly, there aren't a lot of players I'd want to trade in at all. I, if, if anything, I'd rather... No, do what trades we can, and then scour the the um, delisted free agents, and then maybe fill any gaps there, and do the rest in the draft, or even do the draft and then hit the DFAs and see who we can pick up. Yeah. Um, well, look, that yeah. that leads me on to another play. There was a rumor that um, Motlop was being talked about. What? How would you feel if uh, Stephen Motlop was uh, was traded to the club? Um, I remember having a Schadenfreude moment a few years back with Stephen Motlop, which is that he came in at a time when Geelong were already on top. 
And the way he plays, it's always been like, oh, I'm thinking I can't wait for reality to hit you, Stephen. Um, in the, which, which is a real schadenfreude moment because he sort of came at the end of an era and I don't think he'll be good looking in a side that isn't excellent. Um, and that's something I very much reckon we saw in that final. I would be very bi-beware. I don't want him at Port Adelaide. Um, mm. But if he goes to Richmond or somewhere like that, he'll be a perfect fit. I'm not sure you can go off one game, really. No. Like, like Jeremy no, Cameron can't. had, what, you one kick off. in the in the other final, and he's an exceptionally good player, All-Australian. Yeah. One of the best young... Well, just one of the best key forwards in the game, full stop. Yeah, but would you say... Everyone's allowed a shit game every now and then. Yeah, but would you say that of Motlop going into that game? You know, like, Motlop, for me, has already already been a player that I sort of go, "Mm, yeah, I don't know. And then come out... I think he's got a perception about him which is maybe a little bit unfair. I think... I don't think he's as... um, He's as paper thin as what people uh, like to think he is in in terms of his um, his sort of playing level and his consistency and all that sort of stuff. I, I think he's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. And look, this year, look, Geelong played very well. They finished on top of the ladder, but he still averaged what twenty touches and a couple of goals a game, which is wingard level. And who wouldn't want another player like that in the side? Uh, it's not exactly what we need right now. I would think it is, to be honest. We need pace, we need skill, we need people that can kick goals. Because at the moment, we've uh, we've been pretty poor at all three of those. I kind of feel like what we talked about last week, where we were hypothesising about a Dustin Martin. What we need is another guy to help get our other guys outside more. Because we've already got guys that can kick, it's just they spend their time in the guts, and everyone's spending their time in the guts when they shouldn't be. You know, we'll see Polek pick up. We'll see a whole bunch of guys pick up when we can get our, our centre square extraction better. And I, I don't know that Motlop will necessarily help us with that. Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't know. If uh, if, if that's what we get for the Hartlett trade, if that goes ahead, then waste, I would be perfectly waste of fine a trade. with that. No, I, I, I would be fine with that. I would prefer a pick. Why even I trade? I would prefer a really good pick. But yeah, if yeah, that exactly. was what was to come our way, I think that's... Um, Far from worst-case scenario, to be honest. Look, Stephen Motlop's 25, which means we're talking about a three-year rebuild, yeah, at the, at the optimistic optimistic level. He's 28 by then. If we're looking at a five-year rebuild, he's 30. Um, so, no, he's not in our age profile for the top players. I'd be players. pretty disappointed if we're having a five-year rebuild, to be honest. We can, we, five years before we can be a premiership-winning side, absolutely, I reckon we're five years away from that. Mm. Yeah, so that's what we're building towards. And he's just the wrong age profile for the type of player he is. And trading out Hartlett to bring in a bloke that's maybe him on a three-year delay, I'm not convinced that's a good move for us. It doesn't help our list really realistically improve from the ground up. It's another short-term return, you know? Um, but if we're five years away from uh, being a premiership threat, then we should really do what that uh, wonderful threat on Bigfoot he said and we should trade Robbie Gray. No, the reason why for that is because you want you're gonna have guides there for the players that you want to develop. Yeah, you've got to have players in the side that will show you what the team rules are, and that's why, for example, I've been strong on don't want to trade Pittard, don't want to trade Darcy Byrne Jones. There's a bunch of players that you specifically don't want to trade because they are playing the game plan as you want the game to be played going forward. They don't do the the shitty backwards hand passes and things like that, and so that's why I would say you don't trade Robbie Gray because he is meant to be the role model. 
but it is why you do trade guys like your Broadbents and other guys that, and <laughs> why you do take what you can get for your Westhoffs and things like that where they're guys yeah. that have been known to revert to bad culture because you don't want them mentoring the next generation of players. You know, that's that's not what you want. So those are the guys you move out, not the ones that are going to show exactly what you want your footballers to be. Yep. No, that's a good call. Uh, Dylan has said, uh, stop talking reality talk, Porsche. Flag is around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <coughs> I can shut up for a while. We can move on. <laughs> Look, we're going to win the flag next year, no doubt about that. Uh-huh. We'll beat the dogs in GWS on the way to winning a flag by 122 points. Macca. <laughs> Dare to dream, Porsche. Come on. <laughs> if, if I thought for a moment that you believed that was going to happen, <laughs> I would be... Look, I may have been drinking again, okay? I'm so, to get help to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's move on and uh, let's start our third week of player reviews this week. Um, We have titled it The Flank Tank. Uh, So we're going to talk about a bunch of flankers. The first player on the list is uh, Jasper Pittard, who's uh, 25 years old, seventh season on the list, played all 22 games, kicked a goal, um, averaged 22 touches, five rebounds, uh, two tackles, three inside 50s, and five one percenters a game, and was rewarded with a place in the provisional Old Australian squad. Uh, Porsche, how did you see his year? Yeah, look, really excellent. I mean, I only just said a couple of minutes ago, he's exactly the guy I don't want to see traded because he plays the game the way that we want to play. Um, You know, he always tries to go forward. He always tries to make a play rather than just sort of give off the ball and hope for the best. Um, And that's exactly what he did for this first half of the year. I mean, he was the epitome of what you want to see in not just a Port Adelaide uh, attacking halfback, but an attacking halfback at any club, no matter what culture or what background. He's exactly the player you want to have. You know, he'd slot right into any any premiership side in the form he was in the first half of this year. Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah, fantastic. He drifted off a bit, I suppose, in the second half. And I I don't know what the reason for that was. It'd be really interesting to know if there was like a a niggly injury or something like that. Well, he did the same last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But um, look, his leadership... Um, not necessarily, I don't, know, I don't know how good he is for voice on the field and things like that, or giving G-ups to the boys when they're down and that sort of stuff. But in terms of how he plays, the style of game he plays, um, he was first rate this year. A uh, fantastic season for him, and he should be very, very proud. Oh, for sure. He was outstanding, and look, he was leading the best and fairest up until the last couple of rounds. So yeah. uh, he was pretty unlucky there not to come home with uh, with his first best and fairest as well. But um, look, statistically, he had by far his best season. Um, career highs in disposals, inside 50s, clearances, and uh, had close enough to double the rebound 50s and 1% of his previous best year as well. Yeah, look, statistically, absolutely, he's bang on. And look, I, I, it says just how well he, he played this year that he actually got recognised for the All-Australian squad. Yeah. Um, you know, that, this is not long that ago. That was that pretty ordinary um, yeah. to have uh, that sort of player, like a back flanker in your, you know, be your only sort of, all Australian listed player was uh, was a good effort. Yeah, I mean Robbie Gray should be a bit shitty about that, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what changed do you think in Jasper's game this year? Experience, basically experience, and I don't know whether it's encouragement or pig-headedness, but uh, that proven desire to consistently want to move the ball forward, like actually forward and create something. Yeah. Um, we've seen that. Like He's had that his whole career. 
uh, at Port Adelaide, you know, from day one, even when he was screwing it up, you could see what he was trying to do. Oh, yeah, um, And he's finally got to the point where he's physically able to do it. I mean, he's had a couple of pretty good bumps on people and he's a very physical player, big, big kid now. Um, <laughs> that's what he looks like. Uh, but he just gets out there. He's got the physical ability to enforce what he wants to do. He's got the vision and the experience to understand how the play is unfolding, and he just started applying it all brilliantly this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a fantastic player for us going forward. No doubt about that. Look, he uh, you just feel like he knows his spot in the side. He knows yep. what he has to do week to week, um, and he just goes he out it. and does his job um, and tries to bring other players into the game. As you said, he's at that experience level now where he's not making those uh, classic sort of pit art errors that he had in uh, previous years. And well, I can barely think of any times really this year where he stuffed up in calamitous fashion, which uh, you could probably list, you know, 15 to 20 uh, in each previous season. So I thought he improved out of sight. And well, as, as players. Um, who were usually re- relied upon in uh, in Brody and, and Hartlett, you know they they really struggled this year. And Jasper was one player who really stood up and and showed a lot of leadership down back. And uh, do you think he has the potential to be a future captain or or possibly vice captain in the future? I said mid season he's our next captain. I still see him as very much a potential captain. Um, I don't necessarily think that your best player on your side has to be, but I think that he has shown his aptitudes to watch the whole game and understand how to make an impact. Mm. And also being in defence gives you a little bit more capability to do that than other players would. Um, I think he's in a, a good position to actually, on-field position, to be actually be able to be a pretty influential leader. Um, yeah. Other people are talking about Ollie Wines as a future captain. Look, he might be. Um, I'm more interested in him concentrating on his own game at this point, uh, certainly for the next three or four years until he gets to that peak level that we really expect to see of him. Um, but Pittard, yeah, absolutely. If, if Bokey was struggling with it or he decided to give it away or whatever else, um, yeah, he'd be right up on the top of my list. Yeah, I think he's... Uh, look, 12 months ago I would have laughed at that suggestion, but certainly um, it's grown on me a lot. And I do see uh, Jasper having um, captaincy potential. Uh, I think he would make a great vice-captain uh, and possibly even be the leader of the ship. Um, in time, I, I think he would make a great captain. Yes, he he certainly would. I don't know who's who's your best. Well, we've got a, a, a legacy of um, good uh, halfbacks as captains, haven't we? Uh, Motley Phillips. Yeah, um, Greg Phillips is the big one, isn't he? Hmm. A couple of others, though, isn't there? I don't know. I have to go through the list. But anyway, there'd be a few. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sure. Oh, look, we, we've always had great halfbacks as leaders. You talk about like Martin yeah. Leslie and uh, Bruce Abernathy and these sorts of mm. players as well. And you know they were always great uh, leaders, even if they didn't necessarily have um, the leadership title at the club. Yeah. But I guess uh, Martin Leslie was uh, was a vice captain in the year that uh, that we won the flag in '88 because he lifted the cup, didn't he? So there you go. Mm. There you go. So what should 2017 hold for Jasper? Do you think he'll just keep doing what he's uh, doing currently? Do you see maybe a slight role change for him next year? Uh, I don't see a need for a role change for him. Um, 
I do. I, I would like to see him take what he did in the first half of this year to be the full season. So I don't know if that means extra running in the preseason or, or what it means. Yeah. Um, that'd be really great to get a full season of that, and then he will make all Australian. And he, he did he, did he pick up any Brownlow votes? I don't think he did. Did he? So uh, on a three. No, yeah. I'm so not too sure. so you'd have to say he's no real chance of getting Brownlow, but you know, he 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 should be. He's 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 visible enough. I would have thought, but I'm not an umpire, so who knows? Yeah. With his fading late in seasons the last two years, do you think it's got something to do with missing out on finals and he's sort of lost a bit of momentum, lost a bit of concentration? Uh, look, it could be. It could also be part of the side not or side changes as well um, because the second half of both years we had a, a influx of different players coming in. Um, you know, like you look at the end that defence this year, he was suddenly having to guide Austin and Clurry um, through their paces, you know. Yeah. Uh, and as were the other defenders, you know, he wasn't alone by that. But, I mean, he started off this year with, what, Homsch and Jonas and Trengove and with the potential of Carlisle coming in. And by the end of the year, the side and the defence looked entirely different apart from him. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a pretty big contributing factor for a defender. For sure. Um, Bevan has said he wants to see a contract extension. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. is a very fair point. Yep. <laughs> Got to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Look... Let's uh, move on to our second player, Matty Broadbent. Uh, he's, hmm. um, I guess, his opposite number on the other flank there, uh, who is 26 years old. It's his eighth season on the list. Uh, he played 21 games for the season, kicked eight goals, averaged just under 20 touches a game, three tackles, three rebounds, two clearances a game. Um, how did you see his form in 2016? Uh, nondescript. Um, yep. Obviously, we're wrong. Obviously, we're wrong in in or well, I'm wrong in thinking that because the coaches love him, and he got Brownlow votes. So you know, um, well, he did have a couple of really really good games. He did. Yeah, he was best on ground of... in one game at least. Yeah. But he had but he had a lot of games where you just go, oh yeah, I suppose he played. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> so sometimes you get that with defenders. Like some defenders are like that. You just don't really notice what they're doing. Um, statistically, I mean, he had yeah, a solid season, I guess. You know, he's always right up there with the possessions and whatever else. I just don't yeah. feel he, I just don't feel he has much impact. No, um, I think he's really stagnated in yeah. the last couple of years, especially with his influence and and certainly his output as well. And do you think the roll down back suits him? Uh, look, like, are we getting the best out of Broadbent at the moment? I'm not sure what else he has to him. Uh, I mean, I know that you're a bit of a fan of throwing him in midfield, but well, look, he got I, three votes in the one game that he played in the midfield this year. Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I, I kind of feel like he he's not like he's not he's not a full time midfielder. Um, and so when he's not a full time midfielder, I, I I don't think you throw him forward. <clears throat> well, why can't he be? Why can't he uh, play more time in the midfield? I would still say that his best season was when he was. Um playing in the midfield back in uh, 2012 when he nearly won the best and fairest. Well, look, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to give it a crack. Um, yeah, uh, why not? He's physically uh, able to do it. There's no doubt about that. He's got the build for it. He doesn't get knocks much. Um, it's just about whether he's mentally fast enough. Do you think he is? Uh, I, I think he I think he could um, be capable of playing uh, more regular football through the midfield, absolutely. I think he's a really good clearance winner. Uh, he gets the ball. He's a good kick inside 50. Um, usually when he plays um, further up the ground, he kicks goals as well. I think there's a lot to like about Matty Broadbent playing uh, through the midfield. 
I think both he and the club and the coaching staff have become a bit lazy when it comes to Broadbent in terms of, of uh, we just seem to throw him on a back flank, play him as the loose man behind the bowl. He doesn't really seem to worry about an opponent. Um, no. And we seem okay with that, which I, hate I don't that like role. at all. I hate that role. I hate that we use that role. It's not going to be a successful side that uses that role. It's frustrating because I think, as I said, I think we should be seeing more from board, uh, Broadbent than just someone that's uh, loose behind the plate. And yeah. I know that Hinkley obviously likes um, playing this sort of quarterback type player. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know why we don't play in 50-50 <laughs> midfield defense if he, if he wants to play that way, but... Uh, do you feel he might have peaked as a footballer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, what you talk about him being in a midfield a bit more, he could be all right there, you know? Um, I don't know. I can't think of too many late career guys that went from being a half-back like that to being a, a, a good midfielder specifically. Um, I don't know. It's a pretty unusual shift normally. Yeah, I don't know. Not, like you'd normally expect someone to have done it before they're what twenty five ish. Yeah, but know. he has. He, he was a midfielder for a couple of years before he 26. went back. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm I don't have a strong opinion on this one, Macca, which makes it a rarity for me. Um, I have strong opinions on almost everything, but this, this is one I can see what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I don't think it's particularly likely that we'll get a lot of improvement at it, but I, I accept that I'm quite possibly very wrong on that one. Um, you're right, he has played some good games in midfield. Um, I don't know that he's got... Oh, look, I don't, I don't know. You don't know when you move a guy to midfield whether he can play their whole season, you know? Um, so until we have seen him do that on more than one occasion, like if we see like a, a good five-game run where he's a midfielder, then I'm not going to have any confidence in saying... Let's go into next year saying Broadbent's a midfielder. I, I don't think we can do that. I think we have yeah. to. I think we have to test the waters, and we're testing the waters with a 26-year-old at that point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So what do you want to see in 2017 from Broadbent, and why is that uh, seeing him in a Richmond Guernsey? <laughs> no, I would wish better for Brody than Richmond. I don't actually dislike him. Um, <laughs> I love Brody. He's he's pretty much my favourite player. So yeah, I'll be yeah. shattered if he goes, but I think. I think there should be more from it. And look, if uh, if we get um, if we get uh, something decent offered to us in a trade for Broadbent, I would probably take it. Yeah, me too. We've talked about having player types that are surplus to requirements and um, trading the ones that are replaceable but have decent value. And he's right in that sweet spot right now. Um, there's no doubt. So if if we do get an offer this year, particularly given where our list is at, and particularly if it was B for, in my view, a draft pick for next year, I would be pretty stoked with that trade. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Right. Uh, third player is uh, Dimitri Tumpas. Uh, 22 years old. Uh, his first season at Port Adelaide uh, played the eight games, kicked one goal, averaged uh, 16 disposals, three tackles, three inside 50s and one and a half clearances a game. He also played 10 SANFL games where he kicked 11 goals and averaged uh, 23 touches and six marks a game. Uh, obviously recruited from Melbourne at the end of last year, formerly a very, very high draft pick. Um, how did you find his season? Uh, look, unfortunately, I saw him at Melbourne last year. Like I was watching the Melbourne games that he played, and you sort of thought, yeah, yeah there's some good things to his game. 
He's not great, but you could see that potentially he could show it. But then he had an exact similar season this year um, in that we saw a couple of things that you go, oh, yeah, that was all right. Um, so the change of club doesn't seem to have invigorated his game, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, <clears throat> it might be might be naive to assume that that's how it works, um, but I suppose very rarely does it actually do that much. Um and I don't think we saw him trying to play a little bit more inside than he had done previously earlier in the year, yep. and he was he was okay at that. But I just don't think that huge upside that we all sort of associate with the name Tumpus from a few years ago. I don't think it's there. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I have to say, I'm struggling to think of any sort of momentous thing that he did throughout the year. To be honest, he's almost become like a, a very anonymous player uh, when he played, like. One of those players that you sort of uh, go home at the end of the match and go, oh, yeah, Jimmy was, uh, yeah, he was okay, I guess. I can't really yeah, remember right. anything that he did, <laughs> to be honest. And, you know, yeah. I thought he was okay at the start of the year. I think he was maybe a little bit hard done by to be dropped when he was dropped. Uh, got a token game against Brisbane towards the end of the season and then uh, came back into the side against the Crows. And look, that was just a shocking performance by him and... Can't well. You would hope that there's um, more positive um, ways that he can contribute to uh, Port Adelaide than that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's probably on another year in his contract, right? So I guess he's not another chance. Yeah. But if he, I think if he was out of contract, he'd probably be saying, "Yeah, see you, mate." And if you're lucky, we'll re, we'll delist you and re rookie you or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where has it gone wrong for Jimmy and? Um, where does he need to improve to become a uh, a regular AFL player? Stop playing like a guy that's had a career-ending injury. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. You know, he had the bad injury at the D's and uh, he hasn't really come back from it. So well, Has that robbed him really... of his um, athleticism that he showed uh, pre-draft? Yeah, and quite honestly, that athleticism was pretty much the main part of his game that I, I think people were excited about. Because um, I, I was never like I was not hugely pro Tumpus at any point because he looked like a player that could be all right, but I just didn't see anything special about the way he played. Um, he's all right, he's okay, uh, but without that capability, then he's you know he's an SNFL player, isn't he? So yeah. look, I wanted to see him uh, playing through the midfield and and kicking goals, and that's basically what he was doing at SANFL level. Um, he was hitting the scoreboard on a regular basis, but we just didn't see that at all at AFL level. And I guess he was playing sort of behind the play a little bit, um, as kind of a, I guess we mentioned before in that old uh, <laughs> sort of Stephen Salapek type role. I guess. Mm. Um, what I guess should uh, 2017 hold for Dimitri, and can he become a regular AFL player? I'll answer the second part first. No, I don't think you can. Mm. And so I think we can expect him to play at SNFL. Can I just say, we were talking about the Stephen Salapek role, which is also how we kind of described Hamish Hartler when he started playing in that same role. Yep. Should we just sort of say, as soon as we see a player put in that role, that we should remakely trade them? <laughs> <laughs> because, Quite possibly. Because as yeah. soon as you have to... Because that role... It looks all right, but it's not all that important to your side, and it takes mm. away from areas of your side that are very important. Yeah. Um, and the players you put in that role, you don't need them. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, no, I'm not sure. I've I hold out some hope for Dimitri. I, I would like to see him play and become a regular, and 
Look, I think he's um, he's better than what he showed this year. Um, well, at least I hope he is. Uh, I think he's got it in him to play, you know, a good sort of twelve to fifteen games next year, and, and maybe get uh, another year or two on his contract. Um, because look, I think we need class players around the bowl, and I think um, on occasion he can show that. Maybe he still doesn't feel like he belongs at AFL level. Maybe it's a bit of a mental thing. Um, but look, I, I think if he doesn't show anything next year, you would have to say he's gone. I would rather throw games at Snelling or Bonner in their positions than put Tompas in. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I don't really want to see Tompas playing on a back flank, that's for sure. But um, nah. certainly on a wing or uh, maybe a forward flank. Yeah, but then I'll play um, Bonner or Amon or someone like that. You know, like he's just whatever position you put him at, he's at the bottom of the depth chart. Yeah. Um. So that's not a good sign. Probably not. No. Mm. Uh, speaking of uh, bottom of the depth chart, uh, let's talk about Sam Cahoon, who uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who played uh, seventeen SANFL games, kicked uh, two goals, averaged twenty two disposals, eight marks, and two and a half tackles a game. Um, had a very, very good, very consistent year at SANFL level. Uh, was obviously delisted at the end of the season as well. We've spoken a lot about Sam this year. Yeah. Uh, where did it go wrong? Um, <laughs> conception? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, not in that way, but like he just he didn't, you know, whatever mix of genes he needed to become a super dominant AFL player, he got a lot of them. But the ones he missed out on the ones that really would have pushed him over the edge to be a first twenty-two player. He's not fast enough. He's not tall enough. He's not strong enough. He's not you know quick enough. He, he's missing. He's missing the thing that makes you go ah, there it is. That's that's the AFL player that's going to play you know a hundred plus games. He just didn't have it. Um, and you know he's, he's done all right. He, he did okay a little bit. Um, if he, he there's, I suppose there's an outside chance, uh, a, a not great side will pick him up as a DFA, I guess, but yeah. probably not a lot because, uh, you know, South Australia always has a bunch of players his height every draft year that yeah. you can pick up with a rookie draft pick. So I, I'd honestly say you'd have to think his AFL career is over, which is why he was delisted and not held on for trade week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, he just... <clears throat> Um, you know, he's look. I guess we've got to be a little bit philosophical. Well, and say, he's just hey, very vanilla. He's very vanilla. Um, but most of all, look, I mean, you should just be pretty stoked that he got to have a shot and play a few AFL games. You know, that's nice. Uh, he probably worked very hard to get what he got, though, which is unfortunate that it hasn't worked out for him. Um, but you know, good on him. He's had a bit of a taste, and um, that's more than most people get. So I hope he, I hope he, I hope he enjoys the experience he had at Port Adelaide as much as we might have hung shit on him as supporters occasionally. Um, yeah. Well, he played some really good games for the club in his uh, yeah. in his time there um, in his first few seasons. Um, look, I just don't think his role, his um, and his type of player in terms of his body shape and um, lack of pace and kicking that probably wasn't as clean as what it could have been was ever going to work in that sort of role. Um, I still think maybe a club might um, might take a nibble at him um, as a de- delisted free agent. I'm not too sure, but no. I don't know. Maybe, like, I still think that he could um, give something to a club that uh, that needs some sort of ready-to-go players that um, that can just sort of uh, come in and, and just get a bit of the ball, like, like Brisbane I've mentioned a couple of times, maybe Gold Coast. Um, nah. But uh, look, I'm yeah, I'm not too sure about that either. But. 
I can't see any AFL club giving him a go, even on a rookie list. Mm. Well, we'll leave it there with Sammy because we have spoken about him at length this year. Yep. And uh, we'll move on to the next player, which is uh, Cameron Hewitt, who is uh, 19 years old. It was his first season on the list. Uh, played 15 SNFL games, kicked three goals, averaged uh, 13 disposals, four marks, and one, uh, nearly two uh, inside 50s a game. Uh, it was his first year on the rookie list, and it was uh, a pretty steady year for Cam. Yeah, now you're a fan of Cam Hewitt, aren't you? Oh, well, I wasn't a fan of drafting him, but um, I think he's shown a little bit this year. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously I haven't seen him play because he didn't play any, any, any AFL games, so uh, yep. I can't really comment on that. Mm. Um, certainly, Good discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but as, a, as a, a pre-draft player, I mean, I guess there are a few suspicions about his, I, I don't know, his ability to be a reliable uh, have the reliable disposal, keep his head in games and stuff. Do you think he's improved as a player since starting with Port Adelaide? <clears throat> I think he had a pretty slow start to the season. Um, mm. I think he was injured for a while, took him a while to get going. Um, but his last sort of month or so, uh, I think he started to really show some um, consistent form at SANFL level. And look, if he does get a second year on the rookie list, then um, you know it's probably deserved and will be interesting to see if he can continue his development. I'm still not sure of what his role would be at AFL level if he yeah. managed to get that far. Um, and I'm at the stage where I want to see us draft players that have a specific role that they can perform in the yep. team rather than yep. just, oh, look, he's, he's, a utility. Got, he's a bit of okay and um, maybe if this happens and this happens and we do this, then it might work sort of thing. Um yeah, Not utilities sure. so rarely work out, don't they? You know, yeah. like the good guy, the good utilities, they all started as a something. You know, like yeah. um, Matthew Pavlich, the great utility. You know, he yeah. started as a key forward. Adam Goods, the great utility. You know, he started as a, a ruckman, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, like all of the all of the good utilities, they start out being proven in a role, and then they add to that portfolio. Rather than being guys that you say, oh, he's fit enough and he's, I guess he's, you know, got good enough skillish, um, but he hasn't taken a position for his own. Like those guys don't work out. Yeah. T- 10 years, 20 years of drafting mm-hmm. shows that. Um, be very few I think exceptions. It's probably kind of like a, a thinner version of Archie at the moment. Yeah. Um, we do need that sort of player, like someone that can come in and do a job in the midfield as not a first-string midfielder, like a bench midfielder that can come in and do a, an acceptable job week after week. So I guess there is a spot for that sort of player, like an inside player that can that can perform that sort of role. Whether that's Cam or not, I'm not too sure. Does he have AFL scope? I'm not too sure. But if he gets a second year on the, the list, obviously I, I wish him all the best and um, hope that he can continue his development because he did show some really good signs at the end of the season. Yeah, look, um, I don't mind if we give him a second year on the list, potentially, um, because I personally think like next year is the year we should have basically clear the decks, bring in as much as we can. Um, You know, the Costco draft. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right, last player we're going to talk about is uh, Jared Polek, who is uh, 23 years old, uh, third year at Port Adelaide, played 17 games, kicked seven goals over uh, three inside 50s, three tackles, nearly two clearances a game. Um, At SANFL level, he he played five games, kicked three goals, averaged 20 disposals and four tackles a game. Um, How did you see his season? 
Look, very up and down. Um, he started the year with us, everyone, everyone saying, oh, yeah, he's going to get back to his 2014 form. But there are times this year, you know, people are hanging crap on Amon for having statistically identical games. Um, certainly that early mid-season. He got a lot, he got better as the year went on, but when the season's not in the hang so much, I don't know that it really matters as well. Um, he's an improving player, hopefully. Uh, and I was just trying to work out what he can do from here. And I'm just trying to compare to Jared Schofield. Um, So Jared Schofield, the first six years of his career, and not his Port Adelaide career, but his career, he was pretty up and down in a similar way. He was hugely hugely inconsistent. He had a bit of potential. And then he got Mm -hmm. traded to Port and it all, he started turning around. But even then, he started off a bit inconsistent. And then it was only like, you know, two, or his eighth season, ninth season back then, 2002, when he somehow, I don't know if he got a rocket or something changed in his life, but he became the player that everyone would hope that Jared Polek will become for us. Yeah. So um, we're talking about, you know, filling out our coaching squad. Is there any chance we can get Jared Schofield over from Subiaco? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? He's, um, he's become a very um, competent uh, waffle coach. Yeah, absolutely. Won a couple of premierships and... Uh, I think he lost the grand final this year, but uh, yeah, he's um, he's doing great things. Yeah, yeah, and um, look, I, I think it'd be really good to get him in and you know see if we can bring something to our side and we can get the magic dust on him to maybe go up and get a, a shot yeah. himself. Yeah. Here's a question: Does Jared need the team to play well for him to play well, or do we need Jared to play well for the team to play well? We need the midfield for function for Pollock to play well. So that can happen in wins and losses, yep. but it needs to function. So if it's if it's a tough game, but both sides are functioning. So like we saw um, this week, you know, the Dogs and the Swans, like both sides were functioning at points. And in that sort of game, yeah, Pollock can do well. But if Port just sort of go in there and they're just sort of scrabbling for everything or it has to go to halfback and then get rebounded or whatever else, like I don't think he's going to really work in that kind of environment. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, and look, I don't. He sometimes he does the run, and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> um, and that's something he needs to work on as well. I, I don't know. Look, I think he's certainly a player that, when the rest of the team's doing well, the team can lift. But I don't think he's the driver of it. Yeah. Do you think he deserved to be dropped? The the couple of times he got dropped throughout the year. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not in the exact games he did, but yeah, um, he's yeah. definitely deserved to be dropped a couple of times. This, if you sum up his whole season. And you look back and you say he was dropped twice without saying when it was. You say, yeah, you that's probably that's about right. Fair. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. So it was just really which weeks it was. They were controversial. But whether he should have been, no, he definitely should have been at various points. Yeah. Have we been a bit too harsh on Jared this year? Because he is coming back on what was a potentially career-threatening injury. Um, obviously, it took a, a little while to get going. Um, he did play some really good games throughout the season. But it was just that lack of consistency uh, that really sort of cost him. Well, even in those games where we say he played really well, like he was inconsistent within those games as well. Like he usually play one or two good quarters and then he'd vanish. Um, so well, I think that's just Jared Pollock. I, I think that's what he's going to be forever. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. We're not going to like if he puts together a, a season of consistent football, we'll probably win the best and fairest. But um, that, that's likely not going to happen. Well, because you're right in that, like, the role that he plays in the side and the things that are his strength of his game, yes, he will always statistically appear to be in and out of the game. 
But, I mean, if you look at going back to Jared Schofield, like, it's not that he statistically got hugely better, but his impact on games hugely improved. Yeah, he, he got a sure. few more possessions, but the possessions he got were influential. Yeah. That's what that's what Pollock is there to do. He's there to have influential possession, not to get 30 touches a game. If he does, that's great. It probably means we've smashed aside. But he's got to have the important touches because that's what that's the, if he doesn't do that, then we're allowing him to run free to no benefit. Yeah. And that's what hurts us. For sure. Should he be considered trade bait? Um, no, because he's not worth his. He's not near his peak value, uh, and he's not an easily replaced player in our side right now. Yeah. We are we're screaming out for an informed Jared Pollock, oh, um, sure. particularly with Matthew White constantly having his issues. Carl Amon still being very much a developing player, uh, and not a lot of depth behind that. Um, you know, it, it's yeah. I don't think he should be trade bait. No, no, that's fair. I don't. I probably don't think he should be either. But um, what, what does 2017 hold for Jared? Can he become that consistent player again that we saw uh, for much of 2014? Um, yes, he can, but he's going to have to have a, a big preseason, not get injured, and run all game. Not just when he thinks he can see something that he can do. He has to he has to be okay. has to be doing predictive running and run, doing the hard running that no one cares about because they don't see it, you know. Yeah. But the coaches care. Um, you know, running off camera, I guess is what I'm saying here. Running yeah, off camera. Sure. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's our player reviews done for this week. Um, All right. We've only got the one question from the Big Footy. Well, two questions from the Big Footy chat um, okay. this week. Uh, the first one, well, they're both from Needs Gravy. The first one is Chaplin or Minson. You have to pick one to be in the team. Chaplin. Yeah, I could probably deal with Chaplin more than I could ever deal with uh, Will Minson playing for Port Adelaide, I think. Yeah, I mean, Minson would probably be marginally more useful as a ruckman, marginally, but he's an asshole. So just, yep. if, if it's a marginal, <laughs> if it's a marginal decision either way, then Chaplin, because at least he's a harmless <clears throat> asshole. For sure. And uh, grand final snacks. I don't really have a position on that. I don't do anything special for grand finals. I usually just watch them at home. Um, yep. Unless we're in them, and then it's you know whatever's at the ground. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> look for grand final snacks. Look, it's in the night. TV snacks. That's yeah. uh, that's where I'd be going this weekend. I just usually have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Fair a big enough. event, you know. If you're not in it, it's not a big event. And if you are in it, you want to be doing whatever you can to be there. So, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll probably be watching at home by myself, so that's uh, that's what that's what I'll be doing, I think. But uh, yeah, probably with a with a box of uh, TV snacks, I think. Fair enough. No, I'll be having a nice chicken and salad sandwich. There we go. I'm looking forward to it already. Get some fresh yes. bread in the morning. Should be a good grand final, I think. Yeah. Actually, the the game I'm more, most looking forward to, if I'm going to be completely honest, is on the okay. Friday, which is the um, under eighteen All Stars game. Ah, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah okay. So definitely check that out. I might. Mm. <clears throat> Which is uh, basically the best sort of 50 players in the draft this year who Having are uh, going to be playing on the MCG. Uh, no, not the MCG, Punt Road Oval, I think. And um, Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, showing their wares. Yeah, when is that? Is it a night match by any chance? <laughs> no, nah, it's uh, straight after Grand Final Parade, I think. Oh, oh, that's all right. It's a public holiday here. It is. I might, I might check it out then. <laughs> yeah, it's also live on Fox. So mm, mm. even if you can't be bothered going out, 
It's uh, no. Nah, oh, as, as soon as Port stopped playing, I, I dropped Fox because I'm using Fox to go, and they have too many blackouts that shit me off. Uh, and I, yeah. it's my protest. I don't give them money when I don't absolutely <laughs> have to. Good call. Good call. <laughs> right. Well, that's it for another week. Yeah. All and right. You have a, uh, a good weekend, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah. we will be back next week. And I think we've actually got two podcasts on next week. Yeah. Now, is it Monday and Thursday next week? Back to Mondays? I think it's going to be Monday and Thursday, yep. All right, cool. And what's our next player review bunch that we're doing on Monday? Oh, you're going to make me have to uh, look that up. <laughs> so if you want to keep talking for the next uh, 30 seconds while well, I Well, uh, look, I mean, up, there is something we wonderful. could talk about. Uh, which is, you know, the the fantastic form of uh, the smaller warrior, Matt Tarrant on uh, Survivor. Um, obviously, anyone listening into this live has potentially missed it. Um, but you know, he just keeps going out there and refing Port Adelaide. Um, good on him. Yep. <laughs> it's really, really good to see. You know, um, hopefully, he's got a connection at the Power Gear store too. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Oh, look, hopefully they've kept some uh, some Guernseys aside for him or something. That'd be great. Yeah, Sam Coon player issue or something. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Uh, the next batch of uh, player reviews we are doing is called The Usual Suspects. Ah, yes, this will be a controversial one. Very good. I think so. Yeah. Mm, okay, good. Looks like, like a it. an intriguing list that uh, should bring on some pretty good discussion, I think. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, until next Lovely. time. Speak to you later, and I don't know, we can't say go port. What do we say? Go swans? Can the dogs? Can the all-stars? One or the other. Go the all-stars, that's it. <laughs> go the, go, the, go the Chris dogs. Judd team in the all-stars. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Ciao. See ya. Boys, though, both threatening with every passing minute. Back to full forward, off hands. Brown needed to trap it, couldn't quite. Hassled out of it. Port Adelaide getting numbers. Wingard, no one!